So there's something that the Labor Department does auto-magically there, which is called seasonal adjustment, which is what I do to my food to make it taste less bland. When the Labor Department does it, it actually does create some excitement sometimes, like when hiring is not following a normal pattern and we adjust it for seasonal normal patterns, weird things happen. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else fill up the wall with our English dead. Once more, we're back. This is the personal wealth coach. Uh, this is Jake McClure, and on the line with me, I have... Jeff McClure. Together. You, you, you forgot the, the beginning of the introduction. Really? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Well, we had a, a strange situation where you chimed in with the second half of the quote, which we haven't done since we've been sitting in a studio together instead of this virtual distance across screens and so on. So it threw me off. That's, that's all I'm saying. But it was very virtuous. Yes. So ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach starring Jake and Jeff McClure. McClure. Did we get that together? No, we can't get it together on the phone. There's a lag. Well, it's just not going to well, happen. Well, if we, if we figure out the lag and we get our timing right, eventually we yeah, get it Yeah, but right. see, you keep trying to do it to your voice when my voice is the one that needs not have the lag because I'm going to the studio through my voice. How's that for confusing? This That probably just encapsulates the entire pandemic era of trying to figure out how to communicate without lag. Uh, how to get supplies without lag. This is the personal wealth coach. And today we're going to talk to you about economics, specifically about why it takes so long for things to show up these days and why there really is a slow boat from China again. Uh, those are those are all parts of our conversation today. But before we get to that, we've got to tell you all the things that you should know and and disclose and all of that. The personal wealth coach is not just this fabulous radio program that you're listening to at this moment. Or fabulous? I know I'm taking a leap and saying that it's fabulous, but I, I said it with, okay. I'm, I'm doing my best. Um, so this fabulous program is also the personal wealth coach. It's also the name of an SEC registered investment advisory firm. Now we're not paying for the program. This isn't a paid commercial advertisement. We're also not being paid to do the program. Uh, the SEC doesn't approve us. That's not part of their purview. They don't approve anybody about anything. They, uh, they can approve a registration. They will not approve the registry. They can disapprove, though. They certainly can. Uh, so uh, the things that we're saying on the air is that I just said it's registered with the SEC. The radio program is not giving investment advice. That's not what we do. I know there's a lot of places you can call and say, what should I buy? What mutual fund should I get? And the people that are answering you are allowed to answer you because they are not in the financial business. As soon as they start answering you on the air and they're in the business, it's like a doctor giving advice on the air to a specific person. All kinds of things happen. So we're going to talk in generalities and education rather than fiduciary advice. We're going to talk about the tools that we use to come up with the fiduciary advice that we give and maybe help you come to the same conclusions. 
I can give some good investment advice. What's that? Buy low, sell high. Good. Uh, All right. Buy a stock. When it goes up, sell it. If it doesn't go up, don't buy it in the first place. There you go. There's a little Will Rogers there. Will Rogers. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you've got a you've got a disclosure to give too. The information we present in this educational radio program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. I love saying that. I know you do. That's why I always let you be the one to say that one. You are you take a great deal of pleasure for some reason. You can also contact us while we're on the air and while you're listening, or you can contact us when you're not listening or whatever by sending us an email. You can send it to either or preferably both Jeff at TPWC.com or Jake at TPWC.com. If you send it to both of us, we'll both get to read it. If you only send it to one of us, you only get half the brain. Yeah. Um, I don't know which half of a brain you're going to get, but between the two of us, we amount to half a brain. So it should be, it should be effective. If you do the, the math on the, on, the, on the fractions on this, you will find out that maybe we have an improper fraction and it winds up being more. No, I, no, maybe not. I have heard that seven-sixths of Americans are bad at fractions. That's true. So we're probably falling in that group. And I also know that some people are slow and some people are fast and some people are half-assed and that's us. Yes, that's, that is where we fall on this spectrum. Um, so anything else we need, anything else we need? I think we've yeah, disclosed everything. We now have to jump into what happened in the market. Did something happen in the market this week? I, I think they opened and they closed this week. There was some trading stuff that happened. And now that we've covered the news in the market, let's move on to the weather. Uh, there was rain in places and it was dry in other places. And now let's move on to news. Wait. Our preferred market barometer, as we write in the newsletter. The S&P 500 stock index, which is what we use to track what's going on in the market, did some crazy up and down movements all during the week. And there was panic and there was excitement and there was thrills and there was depression. And at the end of the week, it was up 0.58%, which wow. is kind of interesting. And it closed at 4535.43 for those of you who keep up with such things. I remember when it crossed 4,000 and we got excited. That was so where it's halfway to 5,000 now. Well, that halfway is between 4,000 and 5,000. If you well, do exactly. math by saying that 4,500 is halfway to 5,000, you're probably going to get a, a, a not a passing grade. But from 4,000 to 5,000, you're halfway there. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then some. So we just move the metrics, that's all. When our math is wrong, we just move the metrics, it's fine. What I, what I think is interesting is that was a record high, and I could find no mention in the Wall Street Journal anywhere else about the fact that on Friday we closed with another record high, which is interesting. This is like the 54th record high this year. Right. It's it's not even news anymore that the market closes at record highs, which is an indication that we are definitely in a bull market, by the way. Um, this week, that close in the market, that record high, marks a rise of 20.75% in the S&P 500 this year. It's up 32.35% from a year ago, which is a lot or a bunch if you want to use economics terms. Or if you really want to use economics terms, use the word whole in front of lot or bunch. A whole lot? A whole bunch. A whole lot. That's even more than just a lot or a bunch. Seems like there should be a half bunch or a, or a half lot. Oh, yeah. there are half lots. Anyway. I mean, if you get scared half to death twice, what does that mean? 
It means you're a quarter dead or a quarter from death? Or are you fully dead? I don't know. We're in an amazing bull market because it was bad economic news this week that normally would cause the market to take a dip. There was uh, lots of reasons for the market to take a dip, and instead it rose, which is symptomatic of a bull market. Um, The wall of worry. Uh, We talk about the wall of worry in our newsletter. Uh, We give John Templeton credit for that, but probably somebody said it before him. A bull market climbs a wall of worry. And as long as there's lots of things to worry about and there's lots of articles that says the market's too high and it's surely going to crash momentarily, you're probably still in a bull market. Yeah. And the, the quote for sure that belongs to Sir John Templeton is actually more encompassing. It's actually a better thing. And that is that bull markets are born on pessimism, mature on optimism and die on euphoria. Those are those are so true. And this is way before behavioral finance way before behavioral economics he didn't claim to be an economist he was just an amazing portfolio manager and we're definitely in optimism yeah we are good we are in the optimist stage we are not euphoric yet we have a mature bull market but we don't have a euphoric bull market and we have some Uh, other weird circumstances in that there's a lot of cash in the system so we'll get through this and we've got some questions on that and it kind of interconnects the yield on the u.s treasury 10-year note rose to 1.314 percent that's up 0.84 percent from last week which is sort of interesting um the one of the main reasons that the stock market rose this week at least according to the reports from wall street was that the poor relatively poor new jobs creation in August indicates that the economy is not growing as fast as a lot of people thought that thought it was. And so that would slow down the uh, Federal Reserve's raising of future future raising of interest rates. And so interest rates remain low longer. And as a direct result, the 10-year Treasury note, which is a uh, barometer and a benchmark for what the bond market is doing, increased its yield increased its interest rates which is the way it works out there it's so counterintuitive that it's kind of i started started to put this in the newsletter but it didn't there's there's only so much space in the newsletter i mean it's got to be printed in a newspaper afterwards and they've got a word limitation and all of that it's 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 probably better not to get into a, a a technical discussion of how this works Unless you can do it in, with a crayon and a, and a big chief tablet. You got it. The, the interaction between various, assets, various parts of the indications and the markets is so complex and so strange. It's either going to be very fascinating and a puzzle that you never quite finish and you get really excited about it like we do. Or, nerds or, or it's incredibly stuff. boring to everyone and else. Frust- well, it's frustrating. It's like, why are they printing the manual for a VHS recorder? Oh, my goodness. Well, that's what well, we're excited about it. Well, yeah, but I'm not. Leave that out. Just tell me what I need to know. <laughs> Where's the record button? <laughs> well, it was, it was also interesting that in slow motion, some commentators this week came out. I say in slow motion and suggested strongly that the bull market in bonds is finally was finally over in 2020. You never see when a bull market in bonds or bull market in stocks is over until after the fact. Right. And they looked back at 2020 about a year ago and saw that 
the benchmark 10-year Treasury note yield hit a record absolute low about a year ago, and it had been descending for 40 years. Now, when interest rates go down, the value of a given bond that you hold at that moment or the bond market in general goes up. So as interest rates fall, bond mar- bonds actually appreciate in value that you hold in your portfolio. And I think a lot of people, 40 years is a long time, and people got the impression that bonds always go up in value while you hold them in your portfolio. Well, they don't. We've actually seen some evidence this week Sadly, uh, portfolios that had bonds in them that are down substantially so far this year. Yeah, and that and may be what you're just expecting because that's what your portfolio looks like. You, know, of course, it is. Why are you thinking this is this is unusual? Well, I think it's unusual because bonds hit the huge run up and and at the which happens at the tail end of a bull market last year. Right. So portfolios had big double digit returns in them that held, that held bonds last year when interest rates collapsed. And a lot of but people rates, jumped over into the bond market from the stock market right then. If that was you, we're sorry. This this is one of those things that's tough in the world, but don't expect it to come back because interest rates are pretty much as low as they can get and every indication and trying to guess future interest rates is always an interesting proposition. Yeah. But every indication we have suggests that over the next year or two, interest rates are going to rise. And historically, I think there's a high probability we will see interest rates rising for a decade. So we're entering into a massive bear market in bonds, probably. There's no certainty about that. Um, West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil, which is another indicator we use to follow what's going on out there, rose to 69.21, up 0.8% for the week. Um, But it's up 43% year to date and a whopping 75% since this time last year. What does that mean? Demand is what's driving the train here. There's plenty of supply out there, and even though OPEC is trying to limit the supply, there's a lot of it. Demand causes oil prices to go up and down. There's a blip, blips like a Hurricane Ida can cause the supply to drop off temporarily, but we generally have enough to make up for it. And the rise in oil cost rising oil price is probably a strong indication that the economy is growing very nicely all right and that's the markets that wraps well up. well played sir well played the market has been played so this week we had a jobs report that came out with less hiring a uh, net hiring than we were expecting uh by we expecting by that that the consensus expectation uh the reality is that when you get into september and this is what you're going to find when we when we look into these these reports on hiring and so on. We have seasonal adjustment issues that happen. Uh, in September, quite often the unemployment rate goes down, even if no new hiring is occurring, because September is when people go back to school, so less people are looking for work. So there's a weird thing in the middle of this. We had the, the unemployment rate drop at the same time that we hired fewer people. Go ahead. You, you also have a lot of teachers who go back to work. Yeah, but they're generally teachers aren't looking in for work in, in, their, uh, in their summers off. They, sometimes they do, but usually they're not on the unemployment rolls looking for work. Um, and a lot of times high school students are or college students are. So there's something that the labor department does auto magically there, which is called seasonal adjustment, which is what I do to my food to make it taste less bland. 
When the Labor Department does it, it actually does create some excitement sometimes, like when hiring is not following a normal pattern and we adjust it for seasonal normal patterns, weird things happen. We're not really sure. We're going to dig into that report some more in the coming week. You look like you are pregnant with thought. Do you wish to have a labor for your Labor Day? There was some interesting, if you dig into the actual report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, one of my favorite organizations in the United States government, that and the Bureau of Economic Analysis. Two places I'd love to work, full of bureaucrats. By definition, you're a bureaucrat if you work at a bureau. The, um, The numbers were kind of interesting. What we saw was manufacturing, finance, clerical work, all the stuff that works in the air conditioning and does a lot of stuff. And even in construction, employment went up. People were being hired. It's working very, very well. But out in the food service business and in the liquor service stores where they sell alcohol, there were that's where the layoffs were coming from and the hiring dropped off dramatically. And I think what we saw in this sudden dramatic drop in hiring. And by the way, when I say dramatic drop in hiring, 235,000 is cool. It's a lot of people. That's a lot more than we normally hire. Um, in, a, in a regular environment, maybe 200, 150 to 200,000 is a good number. But in this recovery, we still are short about 5.3 million employees compared to where we were in February of uh, 2020, just before the, the pandemic hit. So, but this is the point. The last two months when they've come out, the new hires, the new job, net new jobs, that's new people hired minus layoffs. Right. It's been around a million a month. And now we're at so 235. We're, so we're like a quarter of that. That's really low. I, I like it, how me just rephrasing it, it always makes you sound really smart if you just say exactly what somebody else did with a different version of the same thing. And they're like, Oh, Jake must know what he's talking about. It's like a quarter he does, of that. Clearly. Yeah. yeah. And so the point is that what's causing this? Well, we won't know for a long time, but there's a strong suspicion and the anecdotal information from the survey recipient, the survey respondents, I love survey respondents, is that it's the Delta variant. Now their employees are getting sick and Companies are holding back. Companies are are pulling back on what they're doing. Uh, as a matter of fact, I called a company that I'd ordered a shirt from, and their recording came on and said, we've just closed all our physical stores, and we don't know when we're going to reopen them again. And when I finally got, after two days, I finally got somebody online because I ordered the shirt. The shirt didn't come in, but they charged me for it anyway. And I finally got somebody on the line, and this poor woman sounded so harassed. I said, what's going on? And she says, we have had about a 75% drop in slots of people because the people went back to school and people don't want to work because of COVID. They're scared. And I'm here pretty much by myself answering the phone. And I said, and I said uh, well, you know, you guys charged me for a shirt, but you never sent me the shirt. And she said, let me check with production and billing. She came back about 10 minutes later and said, yep, you're right. We're going to refund you the money. I said, well, why didn't you refund me the money? She said, we're just swamped. We're just overwhelmed. Normally we would have jumped in there and refunded your payment right away, but we're just swamped. Yeah. I told you last week I went to go get my brakes repaired and 
Uh, and I know these are anecdotal. These are like one person's experience, but we're seeing this. These are good examples of what we're seeing in the numbers. Uh, I went to go get my brakes repaired, showed up at the brake place at my scheduled appointment, which I scheduled online. I didn't have to call anybody or any, any I just clicked. Oh, yeah, that's a good schedule slot. I'll do that. I started getting texts immediately. It was telling me, hey, your appointment's in two hours, your appointment's in one hour, 30 minutes till your appointment. I showed up at the appointment and they said, we can't see you. Uh, and we got a bunch of people online that we're not going to be able to see too. The computer's not stopping the appointments and it's we're overbooked. We can't see you. So I had to reschedule. And, and I said, why is that? And he said, well, we've got fewer people working than we usually do. Uh, it's just really hard to find people to work. So that's going on. Something else, and you're going to, listeners, you're going to appreciate this. You're going to get the ability to tell the future here. Next week's job report. So this, this week we were talking about a month job report. Next week's job report. Expect to see negatives, big ones. People are like, what's going on? Is it the virus? No, Hurricane Ida, a different natural disaster, disaster than the virus, caused a bunch of people to have to leave Louisiana and a big metropolis of new, in New Jersey and New York got pretty well clobbered and they've had to shut down business for a while. And that's going to cause hiring to look funny. People are going to be out of work. Now, are they actually out looking for jobs in the, in the, with their rain boots on? No, but they're still going to apply for unemployment because they're probably not working with their rain boots on either. And that's, that's the deal is that we're going to see every time we see a big natural disaster, whether it's a winter storm, uh, a hurricane, the jobs report is going to change based on that. But don't be surprised When everybody else is surprised, the headlines will say surprise job readings, less than expected, all that good stuff. That's just because the media forgets that weather is important to the economy. They they don't know whether the weather is important to the economy. Is that better? Is that that's groanable? That can they don't know whether or not weather is important. Right, but they do talk about bellwethers. But not Carl Weathers. Sometimes Carl, Carl Weathers. Weathers. Yeah. I know about Carl Weathers. We're just throwing in a lot of weather. It's, it's a very weather report hour. All right. So, so I think I think we covered the, the labor issue. I mean, we had less hiring than usual because it's hard to find people to hire because there's still a lot of people in places that don't have jobs that aren't leaving those places yet. Uh, we do our podcast and it's generally excerpts from the program. We have somebody that works on it. Thank you very much, Rio, for all the work you put into it. He's working on it and he sends us the, the you know, cut up, very nicely edited things. And this is the quote associated with one of the podcasts we're about to go out. So this is the direct quote. See if you get the same humor that I do in it. Forecasting interest rates is a fool's game. So there's no point in forecasting them. However, as the economy continues to recover, interest rates will rise over the next decade or so. Um, that means we're fools. Yes. So that was a quote from us, and that is what we're going to use as the quote uh, that is in print for the podcast. So uh, I don't know what that says about us, except that we admit to ourselves quite openly to being fools. 
We play the fool's game. Does that make us fools? Probably. Um, you got to do something. Yeah. You got uh, to give yourself the opportunity to be wrong. Yeah. And interest rates are one of those things that it's so difficult. We had a question last year. Uh, well, I guess, yeah, last year during the, the beginning of the downturn. Uh, and we had a question from one of our radio listeners that was saying, hey, do you expect to see us? Uh, we were somewhere in the mid 2, 2% range on interest rates for the 10-year treasury. Do you expect to see us pass 3% first or 2% first? And our answer to that was, and you can go back and listen to this, uh, we'd like it to be 3%. We really don't know, but we tend to think 2%. And I love it when we say we don't know, but we tend to think as if that's some way of saying if we're wrong. Well, we weren't wrong. And well, we were wrong in that we said we didn't know and it wasn't, we didn't know. But we did say interest rates are dropping because things are bad. Things looking better, interest rates tend to rise. Predicted in the next three months, no clue. That is, that is our basic concept here. Um, and that's, that, that was my point I wanted to say before you jump in, is that we admit to being fools here. Very much so. Good. Hey, Social Security. If you're drawing Social Security, the probabilities are at this point that you will see a 6% rise in your benefits this year. This year being the next year. Meaning when your check goes up at the end of this year, right, it will rise by 6%, which is really cool. The bad news is that the Social Security Trust, uh, the board, yeah, they just came out with their report. Said that for the first year, 2021, is very highly probable to be, for the first time, a year in which more money came out of the Social Security Trust Fund than went in. We knew this point was coming eventually. And they're predicting the Social Security Trust Fund to become insolvent now in 2034. By insolvent, what does it mean? It means that the trust fund is depleted and they need to only pay Social Security based on the revenue generated that year from Social Security taxes. And they're left basically with two choices. We're left with two choices. And we probably won't make them until 2033. One, lower benefits 21.6% across the board. Which I frankly don't think is going to happen. I don't. I don't see everybody saying it's all right if you take one fifth of what I make and don't give it to me, or raise Social Security taxes three point six points. And there's another. There's another approach. Basically, basically go from how much are we paying Social Security taxes now? We pay. We pay roughly fifteen percent FICA altogether. Yeah, Social Security between employer, employee, Social Security, and Medicare. There's a, there's, it's roughly 15%. So basically we will go to about 10% just for social security. Everybody that makes money, everybody that earns money across the board will pay about 10% of their income to pay into social security. And that way we can continue to fund social security at its current levels. There's a couple of other things that could happen right now. There's a cap uh, on your income. If you make money above that cap, you're not taxed for social security because your social security payment doesn't go up above that. So they're, saying, all right, you don't need to pay. If you make more than a hundred or so thousand dollars, it's a little bit more than that this year. Um, you pay taxes all the way up to that level. And then any money you make above that, you don't owe for social security. They could change that. They could say, yep. if, if you make more than that, you still have to pay social security. You're just not going to get any benefit from it. That's pretty much how we pay for the other taxes around is that we just charge more from people that have more. 
Um, and Social Security is one of the few places remaining that didn't have that associated with it. So that's a thing. There's another thing, and that's kind of the easiest way to means test is to just raise the cap on income uh, that gets taxed. Um, another thing is that if you have a whole bunch of money, you don't get Social Security. Or if you're making money from some other thing, if you're fully retired, but you're still fully working, you don't get Social Security. That's a thought. Um, none of those thoughts, by the way, are ones that we go, yay, we have to do this. Don't get us wrong. It sounds like we're advocating for either cutting social security or raising taxes or we're going to have to choose one though. Lowering taxes ain't going to do it. Um, and I realize people will lower taxes, raise revenue. Well, that happens when you're above the Laffer point. We are not above the Laffer point. That's a measurable thing. And I can do the math with you guys. I'm not going to do it on the air. Um, sorry. I, if you really wanted to hear the math on the Laffer point, we can do it off the air. But right now, lowering taxes will not raise revenue. We just tried that and revenue dropped. If you do it again, it'll drop more. Uh, that's just easy math. Uh, so what does that mean? We're spending a lot of money. We either stop spending the money or we find a way to pay for it. That's sadly the reality that we live in. And there are ways to do this, but no matter which way we choose, there's going to be some people unhappy, lots of them even. Just be aware of that, and you're going to hear horror, horror stories about what they intend to do to your social security. Uh, you always get those when somebody needs their constituents to be angry so that they can um, negotiate better. Just expect horror stories about social security to begin, just like you're getting them about the budget bill uh, that they're going to raise these taxes or those taxes. We don't know what they're going to do yet. Let's wait to get scared until we know what they're writing on paper. <laughs> Otherwise we're just afraid of the monster in the closet rather than the monster on the paper. I'm mixing my metaphors again. Okay. Do you want to wrap up? Well, I can tell you that the economy is going great guns. The, the non-manufacturing PMI index, uh, the ISM non-manufacturing index, which just sounds like a weird it's purchasing managers uh, index for anything other than manufacturing. Any manufacturing is, is hanging in there at about 60. Uh, the non-manufacturing index is at 61.7. What that says is across the board in the United States, our economy is going great guns and operating just about as, as full on as it has the capacity to do limited by supply chains and availability and labor shortages, but we've got a lot of money, a lot of opportunity to move forward, and growth is going about as strong as it can go. We're somewhat restricted, among other things, by truck volume because trucks are full and they've run out of drivers. These are not bad situations to be in. And We just we need more a, speakers. So you can turn the volume up more if you have more speakers oh, when you're talking I about trucks that. and things. Yeah, yeah. It's working. We have a tremendous momentum going in the economy. We have plenty of money to fuel it. It looks really, really good going forward down the road. Uh, that doesn't mean there's not going to be a correction at some point. I'm confident at some point something will happen and we'll get a correction just because we always do. But overall, the economy is incredibly healthy. The United States economy is, without qualification, the healthiest one in the world right now and is driving the rest of the world, sometimes crazy, but we're driving the rest of the world. Things are good. Things are likely to get better, and that's my summation of the hour. Right. Two hours. And uh, people will gladly attribute that success to one political 
party or the other, I prefer to attribute that success to America in general. Yep. Because we've had both political parties in power during this time period, and our recovery, the angle of recovery didn't change between presidents, between Congresses. That means it's not the government that's causing the recovery. It's the people. We can give credit or not if we choose. It's amazing how few policies changed from the Trump to the Biden administration. Yeah. I mean, it's just astonishing how few things changed. Afghanistan policy, Chinese policy, uh, the trade war has not changed. We're out of time. So it's it's amazing. If you'd like to talk to us off the air, a local line that comes to voicemail during the weekend, real live people during the week is... 254-947-1111. 254-947-1111. Should you have a landline toll-free 1-800-914-7526, that's 800-914-PLAN, you can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com, where you can find recordings of our radio program going back lots of years. You can get links to podcasts. Go to a normal podcast provider, look for TPWC. Uh, you can contact us through our contact form or directly uh, at jeff at tpwc.com or jake at tpwc.com. Until next week, thank you for listening and have a great rest of your weekend.